Campaign season is in full swing, and we are joined by a man at the center of the biggest race, biggest primary, I think, of in a long time. Congressman Billy Malone, running for U.S. Senate. Thank you for joining us on this week in Missouri Politics. You bet, Scott. Thanks for having me up. How's the race going? It's going good. I'm getting around everywhere, going around the state. When I ran for Congress the first time, it was an eight-way primary, and I was supposed to come in ninth. Yep. This one's a six-way primary, and I'm supposed to come in seventh. But in that first race, I had the best name ID of anyone in the race. This one, I probably had the least name ID. So that I knew from day one that would be a big challenge, and so that's why I'm trying to get around all over the state and introduce myself to folks. It looks like you have fun doing it. That's what I like. I mean, I, I've, I've told folks on this show in different places, if every Republican primary voter had dinner with all six folks, they'd vote for Billy Long, and he'd win by 10, 20 points. It is, you look like you enjoy campaigning. I, I do, and, and on August the 3rd, I'm going to be the happiest guy in Missouri. I'm either going to be the next United States Senator from the state of Missouri, or I'm going to be back in Springfield, and either one is fine with me. So it's not life or death to me. I was sworn into Congress at 55 years old. How many, how many politicians do you know that start their career in Congress, number one, and at that age, number two? So I don't owe anyone anything. No one owes me anything. I did it, did it for the right thing for the right reason. I've done that every day that I've been there. And last November, November of 20, I got the highest raw vote total I've ever received and highest percentage, which is pretty unusual for someone to be in Congress mm -hmm. for nine years and 10 months, almost 10 full years, and have your constituents that pleased with you. Media doesn't like me. Republican Party, I'm not their favorite, I can tell you. So uh, I've always been the outsider, and I haven't paid, played the political game. So we'll see how this shakes out. But either way, I'm going to be fine. I knew I liked you for a reason. I mean... <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, I remember back uh, back in 2015, I would I had a I just had a feeling. I'm from Butler County, your neck of the woods, Southern Missouri, that is, and I just thought Trump was going to win that primary in Missouri. And David Stillman would say he would support him, and you, I remember vividly. You said the Trump train's leaving the stage. You better get on. And that's when they were rigging caucuses for Ted Cruz back then. The people that are the biggest Trump supporters today were all talking about Ted Cruz was the guy you had to have. Um, you were you were Trump early and often. What what in your gut put you there? I just I, I've got a good for not being a politician. I've got a really good political gut. I just I could see that he had something going on. He wasn't a Bob Dole. He wasn't a John McCain. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a Mitt Romney. The ones that the party wants. Like I said, the party is not real fond of me. They were sure not fond of Trump. And I I remember the first time he came to the Capitol which was in July of, I think it was July of 16, right before the convention. And Paul Ryan, who I saw on CNBC this morning for the first time in three years, today he did his first TV interview, and in three years, and uh, he was up at the front of the room with Kevin McCarthy and Kathy McMorris Rogers and Steve Scalise and all the leadership. And I got up at the microphone and I said, Mr. Trump, your problems in this room, these people in this room are not for you. And truer words were never spoken. I took heat all around the world. I'd go on uh, trips with other congressmen on CODELs and we'd be meeting with world leaders from all over the world. I could name different countries we were in and all anybody wanted to know was who's going to win the election. Who's going to win the election? And it was Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, all around the conference tables. And they'd say, Hillary, 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 till they got around to Billary. And Billary would say, Trump, and oh, they just all die laughing. They just thought I was crazy. But is there anything better for a Southern Missouri guy <laughs> than to tell those East Coast elitists or the St. Louis elitists something, have them all scoff at you, they'd end up being right? Oh, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, now tell me, though, let's get back to this race. Uh, you're running, six people running, six, seven. Uh, currently, right now, you've, Donald Trump said more nice stuff about you than anybody, I guess. 
publicly. Right. You, right. you actually talked to Donald Trump, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's got to be yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me, uh, is he going to come out and support you in this race? I, I do not know, Scott, and I haven't promised anyone that he will. Sure. Uh, the thing I've said from day one is whoever he supports, it's over. He endorses in Missouri. Everyone else might as well fold now, their tent and go That's not been the case everywhere. Home. I saw in Georgia, he went against the sitting governor, and that didn't work out at all. Some of these, he's, Alabama, he endorsed the guy, then pulled it back, and now the guy's, it's been a, these endorsements haven't been the normal decisive Donald Trump moves we saw. Uh, they've been a little different. Yeah, they have, and if if they asked me last night in an event, you know, if I would get the endorsement, I said, if you can figure out the Rubik's Cube <laughs> of Donald Trump and how and why he endorses, you tell me. But I can tell you this, we polled a couple of weeks ago, and some unusual things came out of that poll. And I said, I want a legit poll. I mean, when Schmidt's people poll, he's always on top. When Vicky's people poll, she's always on top, mysteriously enough. When Greitens' people poll, he's always on top, mm -hmm. and our poll, Greitens was first, which I'll tell you right now, he is in first. People say, how could he, people vote for him? Well, hide and watch, because he's in first place. Yeah, I agree with you. Schmidt is second, Hartzler's third, I'm fourth. And the split between me and Vicky wasn't as much as you would think. But right, when, how are you going to change that? How are we going to change yeah. what? How are you going to change that? How are you going to go from fourth to first? Oh, okay, there's two, I have two paths to victory. Number one, Trump endorses me. Like I said, I'm at 11 in my poll. There's polls where I was at 14. I've seen one at nine something, but uh, in my mind, I'm at a true 11% in this race. J.D. Vance, and I told the president this the other day, I said, Mr. President, I said, J.D. was at 11 when you endorsed him, same place I am. He shot up to the top of the polls the next day, mm -hmm. and he won by 10 points. He won it going away. Same thing would happen to me. So that's my sales pitch to the president. Let's say Donald Trump just stays out of it. Okay. How do you win? The billionaire's big bucks. You've heard of BBB, Build mm -hmm. Back Better. Well, billionaire's big bucks. There's three billionaires here in St. Louis that have given Eric Schmidt $3.5 million for his super mm -hmm. PAC. There's two out-of-state billionaires that have given Eric Greitens the same $3.5 million for his super PAC. Mitch McConnell, some friends of his, former NRA guys, set up a PAC for Vicky four days after Josh Hawley endorsed her. They endorsed Vicki Hartzler and Katie Britt, who came in first in Alabama the other night. They're going to have a runoff with Mo Brooks you were talking about earlier. But they are beating each other mercilessly with that money. They're mm -hmm. Schmidt's attacking Greitens and Hartzler. Greitens is attacking Schmidt and Hartzler. And I don't know, I haven't seen Vicky's ads, what they're doing or if they've even engaged yet. But I'm hoping that people will get sick and tired of all the negative stuff and look to a guy that went there for the right reason, stayed true to his beliefs, came out with more conservative voting record in all those categories of anybody you want to talk to, and they'll look at the guy down in Springfield. That's, that's my second, second way to path to victory. I think if you did a Mount Rushmore of United States senators from the great state of Missouri, you'd have obviously Thomas Hart Benton, you'd have Kid Bond, maybe Symington, maybe Eagleton, but you'd have Roy Blunt. It's an amazing uh, responsibility replacing Roy Blunt. Can you deliver for Missouri like Roy has? I, I think I sure think that I can. And one thing about Roy that I appreciate, even when he came through a tough race, the mm -hmm. first time he ran, the second time that he ran, when he came, we would come through a race, he wasn't on the ballot for another six years. Mm -hmm. You'd see him the next weekend yep. in Missouri. I'd be with him at an event in Springfield one night, and the next morning I wake up and see him in St. Louis at an event in St. Louis. He comes home all the time. He gets around the state. I think he loves the state. He does, and I do too. And that's what I want. 
want to do, I mean, can, Roy taught me when I was first running, I was going through a big department, not a department store, a drugstore there in Springfield, mm -hmm. a huge one's closed now. But uh, he said, hey, Billy, and I looked over and he was on the other side of the aisle. And he said, what you're doing right now is the hardest part of politics. I said, what's that? And he said, campaigning. He said, the best part of politics is when you get elected and you can start mm. helping people. And truer words were never spoken. He was great on constituent services. I've always concentrated on constituent services. And a congressman or a senator is much more effective at home than they are running the cable TV shows every night and never coming to Missouri and, and arguing bills on the floor. I've been there almost 12 years now. And I don't think one, vo one vote has been changed in the 12 years I've been there. All the debate that goes on the yeah. floor, the people watch on C-SPAN, but it's great for their, you know, it's great for politics. And I'm not into this, politics. I, if I'm having a beer somewhere, if I'm out eating breakfast somewhere, folks talk about gas prices. What, what has happened since Donald Trump left office? I, uh, people tell me Ukraine, and, and gas has went up since that war started, but gas was up in near $4 a gallon before that war began. That just doesn't seem to me like that's the problem in Nixa or West Plains or Trenton, Missouri. What's happening? What's happened was on, we were energy independent. I'm on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and I was on the Energy and Commerce Energy Subcommittee of Energy and Commerce. We fought long and hard. We were never able to export LNG, liquefied natural gas. We fought long and hard, got that done a few years ago. On January 21st, 11.59 a.m., we were energy independent. One minute later, 12 o'clock, when Joe Biden got sworn in, he did everything he could do to undo what Trump, he had a case of Trump derangement syndrome so severe that he wanted to undo everything that Trump did that was great. The first thing he did was stop Keystone XL pipeline. Then he went to the border wall, stopped the, the construction on the border wall, did away with the remain in Mexico policy. Anything he was so ate up with his hatred of Donald J. Trump, which I got to tell you, there's a lot of never Trumpers on the Republican side of the aisle too. Sure. And, uh, but, and I, I can't fathom them. I, I can't stand them. It, uh, people told me, they said, well, Trump has the most dysfunctional White House ever. And I say, no, no, not really. When you think about it, the most dysfunctional Republican White House ever was Bob Dole. And another one was John McCain. His White House was very dysfunctional. <laughs> and Mitt Romney's was really dysfunctional. I'm like, you idiots. They were never president. You know, they all love all these guys because they don't tweet and they don't mean tweet and stuff. So Trump's his own brand. And well, I think an old boy in Tipton, Missouri would take a few mean tweets to pay $2 gas again. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't know him like you. I've never met him like you have, but he seems like a nice man. He seems like a fundamentally good, good man. It feels like he can't stand up to maybe some of the left wing folks and say, oh, just drive a Prius or just, you know, you don't need to drive a car anyway. I mean, that delusional left-wing stuff, it feels like maybe he just doesn't have the gravel and has got to stand up to him. What is the problem and the disconnect from a, a guy that seems like a good guy to just bizarre, pro, uh, bizarre policies that are really breaking folks back? Well, you, you look back at his history over a period of time on abortion, on everything else. He's changed 180 degrees, but people thought they were getting nice. They're like... Trump's mean, he mean tweets, sure. we, we want to get rid of Trump. They thought they were vo voting for a nice moderate. But he has run so far to the left to placate his mm -hmm. green people, the Green New Deal and all of that stuff that's going to kill us. Uh, everyone wants clean water. Everyone wants clean air to breathe. Everybody wants uh, to get off of oil at some point. But as we were driving up here, we were on Highway 65 in Springfield going to hit 44 to come up here. And I looked over in the lane, and it's three lanes there, and in the middle lane was this Tesla. And it was from Minnesota. And I'm like, 
how many days is it going to take him to get to Minnesota? Because <laughs> you, you got to stop and charge that sucker up. So, Teslas are fine, but I'm an F-150 guy. $55,000 for a Tesla, and that's all Biden said. Just go out and buy a Tesla. Before I let you go, uh, I, I, on Twitter, I said, I'll bring the case with me. When, when can I ride the billy bus? Yeah. Is it going to be back out before the election? I don't know. I don't know. We uh, we took it off the road whenever uh, winter hit because we had to winterize it yeah. before we released it. Our, our plan was to bring it back out in the spring, but we'll have to see how things go, whether we get it back out there or not. But well, either way, we look forward to following you through the campaign. Thank you for joining us. BillyLong.com. Tell them to go to BillyLong.com and check us out. I appreciate it, Scott. If I could say it as deep a voice as you could, I would. <laughs> I'm at 100 and a quarter hands and about 200 and a quarter. I was hoping you'd do it. <laughs> we'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel. But first, go to ShowToMissouri.com. This is Missouri one County time. We're in Grundy County, Missouri, talking all about the history of Grundy County and the smiling band at Roy Gardner. ShowMissouri.com. Go check it out. We'll be right back after this. As a former sheriff, it alarms me to see some of the attitudes towards those who have taken an oath to defend our communities and keep us safe. We must learn from the failed policies in other cities and states to never allow anti-law enforcement measures to take hold in this state. We must work to strengthen our communities by supporting our men and women in law enforcement. In Missouri, we defend law enforcement, not defund them. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work, Ameren, Missouri. Welcome back to Weekend Missouri Politics. Very special program. Any show can have one Dingens. We have two. Brett Dingens from Victory. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. And your mother, Representative Chris Dinkins from the Johnson Shut-Ins District. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. Keep an eye on him, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Wally Price, friend of the show. Welcome back, sir. Always good to be here. And Ryan Hawkins, one of my favorite folks. You know about federal politics, state politics. I enjoy the visit. Thank you. Tell me, uh, God's in school. Now, this is yeah. a, it's, a, it's a tough thing. Uh, it's a tough thing to talk about in every state, in every, every place, but in Missouri especially, because I hear people talk about federal gun control. That's probably the only way that happens that affects Missouri. Um, you hear a tipping point, and, I, and I've, you know, I have two kids in school. Right. It makes me scared. Me too. But isn't this a thing that'll be talked about for two weeks and go away? Uh, unfortunately, that's that's yeah. what we've seen. It's it's thoughts and prayers and yep. inaction, and we're right back to the next place we are. It's not just guns in schools. It's gun. The the answer is it's always the gun, right? It is why do you need sixteen hundred rounds and an AR fifteen? Nobody needs that. They want that. And if we don't start cracking down and figuring out that, like what happened yesterday in Tulsa. Man buys an AR-15 at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, shoots the hospital up at 5 p.m. Oh. with that gun and those rounds. Something has to be done. Something has to be done in the federal, uh, federally. Something has to be done in the state. And I'm going to say this to every legislator that's out there, federal and state. Y'all have got to find the courage to do this. 
Representative, if you do that, your district's going to hate it. Oh, absolutely hate it. Um, I also actually had a bill this year, school protections mm -hmm. officer bill. Uh, currently, school districts in the state of Missouri can deem teachers or certified administrators as a school protection officer where they mm -hmm. can carry. Uh, my bill would allow the school district to allow other people who are employed by the school district to also carry guns. Now this, in our rural community, as we've talked about before, sometimes it takes a police officer 45 minutes to get from yeah. one part to the other, and you know the roads and mm -hmm. uh, the lack of police force. So the school district could train through the post. Mm -hmm. They have to be post certified, 120 hours plus CCW carry. They could uh, elect to have one of these, uh, whether it's a a um, maintenance person or a school bus driver to be the school protection officer and carry on campus. You know your way around the classroom. Exactly. Do, is this the answer to have folks in the schools that are armed to put a problem, to try to stop a problem like this? And isn't, I mean, you look, the, the classrooms you're very familiar with really aren't the places typically we have these shootings. They're suburban classrooms. Suburban right. folks normally aren't too keen on carrying guns everywhere. You're right. And it's, Education. I think education is the answer. We've got to educate more people. You say they don't happen in rural schools. That's because our kids grow up with guns in the home. They are educated from a very young age. I don't believe it's the gun that's the problem. It's the individuals using the guns. Well, they probably break this down. I mean, the, the reason I love having you on the show is you can take things like this and talk about the practical realities. You could not, even after this, you could not pass a gun control ban through the House of Representatives. How do you reach out and talk to someone in the suburbs, which are where most of these things happen, and, and relate to the fear people have of having their kids in school? But, but what is it, a thing you could plausibly do? I think that there's a, there's, this is a there's, a, there's a, there's pieces to this. First, uh, f for our First Amendment, Second Amendment lovers like myself, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gun-toting Democrat. Um, when, the, when the Second Amendment was written, it was for guns that it took 20 minutes to load one bullet. Um, so this whole idea of loving your Second Amendment and your 50-round clip doesn't really fit for the way that, the, that, that this piece of legislation was written. Secondly, how old is 18 going to be in the United States? Is it going to be, hey, you're 18, you can't, I don't even trust you to borrow my car for three days at the rent-a-car place, or I don't even trust you sure. to drink liquor, but I trust you to buy an AR-15. Or go to Afghanistan and shoot an go to, AR-15. Go to Afghanistan and, 15, and shoot an AR-15. So we have to decide as a country how old is 18. Brett Dinkins, I mean, it, I think it's impossible not to see this, this trend that goes like it's it's almost funny now thoughts and prayers sure. but but i don't think there's the appetite in this state to actually address this from a gun control perspective no and i think i, I agree with representative price that we have a, a situation in which when do we consider someone an adult and what does that mean i i would really disagree with the idea that I could be a tried as an adult at 18 for a crime and receive significant punishment but i can't go out and buy a gun until i'm 21 or drink till you're 21 but by, you know i mean there's a lot of discrepancy there but at the end of the day I grew up around guns. Everyone I knew grew up around guns. All my family owned guns. I have guns. These problems aren't happening in rural Missouri. There's a mental health component here as well. And we've got to figure that out. Uh, it's, I'll give you it's pushback the on, the, on the mental health. I agree. I'll give you pushback on the mental health. I think that people go out and make very conscious decisions to do the things. They leave notes. They write things on the internet. There are red flags. It's not mental but health. No one who shoots 20 kids is sane mentally. I mean, oh, you're not right. making, you can't well, say there's no mental health component there. But we have no there. national red flag law. 
right? If we had national red flag laws that were fully funded, we would be able to start watching for this and figuring out what's going to happen as opposed to, and with what, what you said about the school resource officers, Uvalde, Texas had a school police department, right? They had a dedicated police force and does not stop a fully body armored individual with 1,600 rounds coming into a school. Let's talk about it somebody is that, the gun. that actually did something this year. It looks, I mean, it looked intelligent then. It looks very intelligent now. Cinder Huff put in the budget $2 million to have an app where a teacher can, a school district can opt in and they can push an app, and which, which notifies, I believe, all federal, local, and state law enforcement, even retired folks that sign up for this, police officers, to beat that there's a school, active school issue. Cuts down response time. I, I'm not sure that's not something you could actually do in Missouri to maybe stop this. I think that the app is a wonderful idea. However, I think there's still going to be issues with yeah. it. You know, we're struggling with cell service and, and mm -hmm. internet issues in the rural communities already. It will cut down the response time, but you know, what are you cutting down when it's 45 minutes in my area? If you cut it in half, you still got 20 minutes. Look what can happen yeah. in 20 minutes. And it, again, I go back to education. It's educating individuals. It's educating them whether they need to learn at a young age. Because a lot of these instances, we find out that people knew that the individual was planning it. Mm -hmm. And people are not speaking up. We've got mm -hmm. to educate people at a young age that if someone has a gun, if they're talking about a gun, they need to tell somebody in an authoritative Quick question, and I'll wrap it up. If you have 45 minutes for a response time, why would you want assault-style weapons and 1,600 rounds being sold in that community? Well, you have 45 minutes for a response time. And you have 45 minutes for a response time. And these are very foreign concepts, I think. Uh, give me a prediction. Federal, will there be a federal piece of legislation that restricts gun access emanating from this? I think there will be three. I think there will be a age limit of 21. I think there will be a ban on ghost guns on the internet, and I believe we will have national red flag. You think that will happen? I think this will be one of, the first, one of the first things that Biden is actually act proactive about. I think he's going to work real hard at trying to get it done, but I'm going to hope he doesn't. Pass the House. Thoughts and prayers, right? And Pass the cares. House, but not the Senate. Uh, I'm not even going to ask. There'll be no state response, right? None. There's be no. There's no appetite for. It. I mean, imagine the first guy in your district that gets red flagged. He's not going to like it. No. Right. Brad Dickens, let's talk about a U.S. Senate race is going on. Sure. Um, it was a kind of a debate, huh. but yeah. but I, you know, you you're working with the shots campaign, but sure. but but to the point, I understand why Eric Grimes doesn't want to come. Yep. Would you share a stage with Billy Long, who's hilarious, <laughs> or Vicky Hartz, who's truly a very good moral person? Of course you wouldn't. Plus they're Republicans. Right. Yeah, no, I think uh, what we saw was we had uh, Senator Schatz, uh, Congressman Long, and, and Mark McCloskey show up, and the big three uh, decided not to show up for Greene County, where there's a large population of Republican primary voters. I think it's a disservice to the electorate. I think yeah. that they owe it to them to debate and have a discussion on the ideas, and I think there's a lot of people taking uh, a for uh, taking you know advantage of where they're at, maybe in the polls right now, without actually doing the work to earn the votes of Republican. Billy Long voters. was on earlier. I understand why you wouldn't want to debate him. Representative Diggins, where do you? Say? I mean, it looks to me like it, there's three folks with a pretty even, even shot. It's going to be one of the more interesting ends to a primary we've seen in a long time. Lots of money, but it looks like any of the three of them could win. It looks like it's going to be close right down to the wire. I think any three of them could win at this point. Um, We'll have to wait and see. It looks like uh, Eric Schmidt has some good, strong grassroots going and some yep. fundraising going. And, um, you know, Vicki Hartzler's lacking a little bit of name ID in the rural communities. Mm -hmm. And people are still hanging on in the rural communities to Eric Greiden. So it's going to be a kind of a three-way. Let me ask you this. You, you have seen behind the curtain in politics to a bigger extent than most anybody that could watch this. 
what, what's an important thing you, when you go to pick someone? What's, what are you thinking about? What, are the, what, are the, what, what, what makes the determination to you? My assumption is you could probably vote for a few of these candidates and be comfortable with it, but what, what, what'll make you pick one? Um, behind the scenes looking at it, I look mm. at more about what are they gonna do once they get there? Are they gonna change? Are the things they say and just talk? Or are they actually gonna follow through and carry out? Also with the primary is, are they going to be able to win in the general? And that's a big important could thing. Be, who could replace Roy Blunt? I mean, that's amazing. Let's talk about this. Uh, you know, Lucas Goods came out, run a yeah. good campaign. Yeah. Personable guy. Yeah. Uh, Trudy Bush seemed like um, the greatest possible thing that could happen for Democrats. I mean, you're, you're, you're angling for it. <laughs> Barry Grimes wins the primary. Right. And there's an independent. Right. What's your best foot forward? I, I personally thought Coons could maybe be that person. Then I saw Trudy Bush. And I was like, well, of course. I'm the German American, no, but I haven't seen her. <laughs> yeah, no, um, before I comment on that part of it, I think I said back in the fall that I was going to sit back and eat popcorn and watch the Republicans go after each other, and then my popcorn bowl is still full. I'm enjoying yeah. it. Um, as far as Tree Bush, um, you know, I think that we are starting to get into now the active part of the campaign. I think yeah. you're going to start seeing people. Um, truth be told, it's going to be about the ads and whether or not they cut through and who can cut through all the clutter. Uh, I think that. Lucas is running, you know, he's been running hard every day. Yeah, he has and, been. And I think that, you know, if this is anything, it, it might be a tortoise in the hair type situation where he catches up. I kind of this Spencer Toter guy. He seems like a good guy. I like him. Uh, I'm a I'm a Trudy Bush Valentine fan. I think that healthcare in the state of Missouri has been on the forefront for the last four years, and she is one of the only candidates in the Democratic, definitely, really in the whole race that can really truly speak to that. She can speak to the poor healthcare. We're like last five in the in the country. She can speak to the low maternal death rate, and nobody else can speak to that. And it is a hot button topic. Okay, right let now. me ask you the question though: Can she be like her dad? Can, can she go down to the Teamsters Hall and have a beer with folks and relate to them? I think and that, why isn't she? I, I like, like he said. I think it's, it, now is the time that you'll start to see her in the urbans and in the in the in the in the labor unions. I think that she can. Um, I think that she's true blue, old school nurse, and like that is the other half of the working American. A lot of sizzle there. It's going to be interesting to see when she starts talking to people. Everybody, All right, yeah, with the shots, Kevin. Give me how Dave Shots wins this race. Well, if you look back in 2016, Eric Grimes was in fourth. Peter Kinder was in first. At this time in 2016. So there is still a lot of race left sure. to go. Um, they, they flipped spots by the end of it. Grimes was at 7%. You know, so Dave Schatz has been, uh, you know, undervalued his entire life when it comes mm -hmm. to what he's able to achieve. And I think anyone who is counting Dave Schatz out right now is going to be sorely surprised when it comes election day. Give me a prediction on who wins that Republican race. Vicki Hartzler. Who wins that Republican side? It's simple. It's going to be, there's so many people in that race, it comes down to who already has a base built in, and that name is Eric Greitens. Yeah. Uh, who wins that Democrat side? I mean, it, that's a, it's an interesting thing that the rural folks, when Trump ran, the rural folks don't even vote in the primary, in a Democrat primary. They're all the Republican primary. So you're just talking about the cities and the people's right. Republican boon. Who wins? Uh, I'm, right now, I'm going to say Bush. Who wins? Rural Missouri loves Bush. I can't argue with that. Uh, before we have to go, who won the week? I'm going to say Dan Shaw. He locked down the Arnold Police Officers Association endorsement, and that's a big boost for him in Jefferson County. His campaign style, you mentioned uh, underestimating Dave Schatz. There's a bit of an underestimation, I think, sometimes of Dan Shaw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was able to get a lot of things done. Redistricting obviously took a lot of energy out of the air, This, but he was in the forefront of that, too, and I think yeah. he's been able to achieve a lot during his time in the legislature. Who won the week? I'm going to say Senator Holly Rader, yes. Rader with her new book. 
Nobody's going to beat that, but who won the week? Follow uh, that one. I got to say Biden uh, in, in speaking about his offensive earlier. Him releasing the petroleum to, to help the inflation was a big deal move. Who won the week? Uh, I'm going to say Steve Roberts released a poll, 35-23, 40% undecided in the new first district. There's a uh, That's a race. And you're working with him? I am. So, you gotta get yeah, him, of course, you, I got to get my plug in. Are you going to pull well enough by the end of this to get national money involved? Right? I think so. Interesting. I was going to say Holly Rader. I even had it wrote down. <laughs> this book is going to be outstanding. I've already bought mine. I'm going to say AFP, Americans for Prosperity. Jeremy Cady, Camilla Peterson went down to Fredericktown and gave out gas, what it would cost uh, two years ago. Good folks. I'm sure folks in Madison County appreciate it. We'll appreciate you coming back and joining us next week on This Week in Missouri Politics. Support for this program has been provided by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Ameren, Spire, and Sterling Bank.